Big idea. Making disciples isn't just something I do to help others grow. I do it to help myself become more like Christ. Our identity statement, I become more like Christ when I help others become more like Christ. In our memory verse, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. How do we love the people in our lives? In his book, Leadership Jazz, Max Dupree tells this story. Esther, my wife, and I have a granddaughter named Zoe, the Greek word for life. She was born prematurely and weighed one pound seven ounces, so small that my wedding ring could slide up her arm to her shoulder. The neonatologist who first examined her told us that she had a 5-10% to chance of living three days. When Esther and I scrubbed up for our first visit and saw Zoe in her isolate in the neonatal intensive care unit, she had two IVs in her navel, one in her foot, a monitor on each side of her chest, and a respirator tube and a feeding tube in her mouth. To complicate matters, Zoe's biological father had jumped ship the month before Zoe was born. Realizing this, a wise and caring nurse named Ruth gave me my instructions. For the next several months at least, you're the surrogate father. I want you to come to the hospital every day to visit Zoe, and when you come, I would like you to rub her body and her legs and her arms with the tip of your finger. While you're caressing her, you should tell her over and over how much you love her because she has to be able to connect your voice to your touch. Ruth was doing exactly the right thing on Zoe's behalf and, of course, on my behalf as well. And without realizing it, she was giving me one of the best possible descriptions of the work of a leader. At the core of becoming a leader is the need to always connect one's voice to one's touch. John Maxwell has often said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. As cliche as that statement is now, it has never been more true. If we're talking about practical ways to make disciples the how of discipleship, we have to talk about how we love one another. Unconditional love is the first and foremost aspect of discipleship. As we have sought to do when we gather for worship on Sunday, we must do the same in our discipling relationships. That is, we must seek to create a non-judgmental, non-condemning foundation for the relationship. If we're going to be helping people become less like Adam and more like Christ, there will be moments when Adam still boldly shines through. This is okay. In fact, it would be foolish not to expect it. Believers who have been walking with Christ for decades still let their Adam side shine, some quite regularly. If we are going to help people get beyond their Adam side, they have to know we care for their long-term well-being. If we want to create a loving environment where it's encouraged to confess sins and struggles, we have to care for one another deeply. I would even like us to be able to celebrate repentance and the confession of sin. Clearly, we will never celebrate someone's sin, but when someone wants to turn away from a sin, that is worth celebrating. Now, don't get all weirded out by the comparison in the illustration. I can hear someone saying, I'm not sure I'll ever be comfortable caressing someone that I'm discipling. That's not my point. And even though there are many studies that show the correlation between appropriate physical contact and support, love, and whatnot, that's not my point either. My point is this. When we are discipling someone, mentoring someone, or even just encouraging someone in their faith, 
We must do so in the deepest, most loving way possible. In a very real sense, we hold their life in our hands, and we need to be there for them in significant ways. And people need to be able to connect our love with our words and actions. Do we legitimately care for them? If we don't, they'll be able to tell. And if we don't, nothing we will say will matter at all. I love John 11.35, where we get a picture of the humanness of Jesus. Jesus wept over the death of his friend. But because we focus in on that verse, oftentimes I think we miss the significance of 11.36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Lazarus was one of Jesus' disciples, but not one of the twelve. Lazarus was clearly a friend, though it doesn't appear that he was in the inner circles of Jesus' life, though it is entirely possible that Jesus was close friends with Lazarus and that he simply wasn't one of the twelve. Regardless, what is abundantly clear is this. Jesus cared deeply for his people. The depth of his care was so powerful that people around him noticed how much he cared. I believe you had a lot of helpful devotional insight that you can offer to someone in your life. I believe you know more than you think you know about following Jesus. And I believe when you start sharing those bits and pieces of wisdom with someone, it's going to make a difference in your life and theirs. But only if you care for them deeply. Do you love them? Do they know how deeply you love them? Do they know without a doubt that you care about them as a person and not only as a project? Can they come to you and receive grace and mercy when they mess up? When they embrace their Adam side, do you lovingly correct them? If we care for people in this way, there is no doubt that we will nurture the kind of Zoe life that Jesus had in mind for all of his followers. Our daily scripture focus is Matthew eleven thirty six. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes to think and pray through a few things. First, conceptualize. Imagine someone you are discipling as a fragile life, on life support, and completely dependent on God for survival. Imagine yourself seeing them in their fragile condition. And now imagine yourself being there to love and support them while they grow and become stable. Second, reflect. When you think about discipling someone, do you begin with love or information? Third, repent. Spend some time praying and ask God to change your mind and heart about each of these areas. If you have treated a disciple like projects instead of a person, ask God to help you learn how to care for them. And finally, thank God. Thank God that he gives us what we need to sustain us. Thank God that he loves you unconditionally. And thank God for the ways he is going to grow you as you begin to disciple the people in your life. 